All right, well, good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Reggie, and uh, I am one of the elders here at, um, at Redemption Church. And over the last few weeks here at Redemption, um, we've been talking through uh, a series about um, where are we going. And very specifically, we're talking about um, the purpose, the vision, and the mission of Redemption, of Redemption Church. And so this morning, uh, that's what we're going to continue on this morning. Specifically this morning, we're going to dive in for a little while and talk about the vision of Redemption Church. Where can we go? Um, so pray with me as we get started, and, um, and then we'll move on from there. Holy Father, we thank you for um, the opportunity to be present this morning. God, we thank you that we have had uh, a short bit of time already to pray together, to uh, sing together, and hopefully to worship you as we did those things. And God, over the, the next few minutes, as we look at your word, as we dive in to talk about um, what I believe is a biblical vision for Redemption Church, God, I pray that you would guide us through your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts in our minds. God, I pray as I stand on this stage and talk that you would use me as an instrument of your grace and mercy, an instrument of your love, an instrument of the gospel. God, I, I recognize fully that, that my words mean nothing, God, but, but your words mean everything. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to hear your words this morning. And God, we ask all that in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So, like I said, um, the purpose of the series that we're going through right now is to very clearly and, um, and biblically speak to the purpose, the vision, and the mission of Redemption Church. And so I would say, are we doing a biblical and God-honoring thing by spending several weeks focusing on these ideas, on the purpose and vision and mission of Redemption Church? Are we doing something good by spending a little bit of time talking about these? Let me encourage you to flip over to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, and we're going to look at just a few verses there. Romans 15, 18 through 21. And this is what God's word said. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. I want you to notice two things that Paul does here. Uh, one is that Paul has a clear view, has a clear aim, a clear vision in mind as he carried out his mission. When, when he got up every morning, he didn't say, I have no idea what I'm going to do today. It was very clear what Paul was about. His vision was clear to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named. That was his goal, and it guided his strategy in everything that he did, and it shaped the entire meaning of Paul's life. And if you read the New Testament, you see that. It was his passion to make Christ known among peoples who had never heard the gospel. And if you look at the last verse 
there that we just read, verse 21, it is a direct quote from Isaiah chapter 52. And so what Paul does is he takes a passage of scripture written about the coming Messiah, about Jesus, and he found in it an application to his own situation, and he built his personal mission, and he built his life around it. Not everybody was called to do exactly what Paul was called to do. Not even all of Paul's contemporaries were called to do what Paul was called to do. Um, in the book that uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, he's, he's very clear about Timothy staying put in Ephesus. And he tells Titus to stay put in Crete. But Paul's mission, Paul's vision was to continue to preach the gospel, not where it had ever been known before. Paul had a focus and a call, and a mission, and a vision that guided his life, and he could easily state it. I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. It's very clear. Paul laid it out. This is what I'm about. This is what I'm going to do. And it shaped his entire life, and it was based solidly and clearly on Scripture. And that's essentially what we're doing as we work through this series here at Redemption, saying this is our purpose, this is our vision, this is our mission. This is going to guide and shape who we are, what we're about, where we're going, and we believe it's all solidly based on the foundation of what God has communicated to his people, his church, through God's word. And so at Redemption Church, we would say that our vision is all about leading people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus, to make disciples who make disciples, to plant churches where disciples are made so that disciples can continue to be made. That, that is our ambition. That is our vision. It is succinct, and it is clear, and it is based on Scripture, to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, it'll be up here on the screens. You can turn there in your Bibles as well. These are some of Jesus' last words to his followers on earth, and they're pretty important. And this is what we see beginning in chapter, um, I mean, in verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It is painfully clear in this passage that Jesus was laying out a very clear purpose, vision, and mission for his followers to make disciples. He was setting them in motion. He was directing them to be active in the process of making disciples. In the Great Commission, Jesus didn't necessarily define what it looked like when the disciples had accomplished what he had set them out to do. But he was very clear in the vision he gave them to make disciples. Here at Redemption, we really do want to witness the people all around us being forever changed by the good news of Jesus. And that's why in this series, we're inviting you to get on the bus. Here's the thing. We don't want to lead people to Jesus because we're right and because the people who don't know Jesus are wrong. 
We don't want to lead people to Jesus because we're good and people who don't know Jesus are bad. We want to lead people to Jesus because apart from the gospel, we're all broken. We're all bad. There's none of us that are okay before God apart from the work of Jesus on the cross and apart from the truth of the gospel. And so if that's true, right, if that's true, if the gospel is true, that God has done something on our behalf, and we're the steward of that message, that there's a way for us to be made right with God. And Jesus has asked us to communicate that message and to make disciples based on that fact, then we are absolutely failing if we don't steward that gospel message well. About a year ago, a little over, a, well, no, about a year ago, um, Ben Ritchie, does everybody know Ben? Has it, it, no? Yes, maybe. Ben? Okay. Some of you know Ben, some of you don't. About a year ago, um, Ben and I decided that we were going to go hike on the Appalachian Trail just for a couple of days. And so last Labor Day, um, we took off, well, it was Labor Day weekend. It was, it was the Friday of Labor Day weekend. We took off and we went to North Georgia to, uh, right outside of Dahlonega to Amicalola Falls. And on a Friday night, uh, we camped in this farmer's field. Um, it was really creepy. Um, I can tell you that story some other time, but it was just a really creepy experience. But we essentially camped out in this farmer's field way out in the back of his property. And right where we set up to camp, we were looking up and we could see Springer Mountain. Now, Springer Mountain is uh, the beginning of the Appalachian Trail whenever you start the Appalachian Trail in Georgia and go to Maine. It's the very beginning. Um, and so what we were going to do the next day was we were going to go to Amicalola Falls on Saturday morning. We were going to hike up to the top of Springer Mountain, which is about an eight-mile trip. And um, the elevation change is about somewhere around 3,000 feet. So you're going up 3,000 feet, but you're going up 3,000 feet, like up and down, right? Up and down mountains. So we camped out in this farmer's field, and we could see the mountain, and we're sitting there um, just, just sort of hanging out as we're, we're waiting to go to sleep. And uh, I'm seeing this mountain, and I'm thinking, tomorrow, that's what we're going to do, right? I have this vision that we're going to go climb that mountain, and it's going to be awesome. So we go to sleep, and uh, we're sleeping out in the middle of this field, and during the night, you could hear all the animals around, right? Like, I swear we heard coyotes and maybe wolves, I don't know. I like to pretend it was much more dangerous than it actually was. So we're camping out. We get up the next morning. We drive up to Amicalola Falls, and we get out, and we start our ascent to the top of Springer Mountain. It's like 7.15 in the morning, 7.30. I'm hyped. I'm ready. I've got this backpack with way too much stuff in it for a one-night trip through the woods. Maybe you've been there and done this. So I put on my 40-pound pack, and we take off going up to the top of Springer Mountain. We weren't a half a mile into it and I was ready to be done, right? It was hot, it was 100% humidity, it's Labor Day weekend, so it's like 90 degrees already, even though it's eight o'clock in the morning and you're in the mountains and, and we're going along and we just, we just keep pushing along, we just keep pushing along. So along the way, we see these milestones, we get to certain places where we know, okay, we're about a mile in. And then a little bit later, we know, okay, we're about four miles in. And then we get to a point where uh, there's this place, if you've ever hiked this approach trail to, to the top of Springer Mountain, called Nimble Will Gap. And um, it's like about, we, we're about five miles at that point. 
And basically, you've come all the way back down. And over the next three miles, you essentially go back up about 2,500 square I mean, about 2,500 um, feet in elevation change back to the top of Springer Mountain. At six miles, we get to this place um, that's a little um, shelter on the side of the trail. And uh, Ben and I were like, I th- we should probably camp out in this trail tonight. So let's go ahead and let's climb up to the top of Springer Mountain. And then we'll come back down and, and we'll stay in this uh, we'll stay in this shelter, and then the next morning we'll get up and we'll walk out. So we start walking. We start going up to the top of Springer Mountain. Um, it's difficult. It's hot. I'm completely drenched in sweat. My pack's way too heavy. And so before we get to the top of Springer Mountain, I drop my pack. Ben drops his pack. We hide him in the woods, and we go ahead and we make it up to the top of Springer Mountain. And um, we get there, and it is a complete letdown. I'm not going to lie to you. I was expecting like this majestic view over North Georgia, and it's like this wide of a view, and I'm sitting down on this rock, and um, some other hikers that were in front of us came over, and they tapped me on the shoulder, and they're like, hey, um, just don't jump up or anything, but there's a snake like five feet over there, so just be careful, and so I was a little freaked out at that point, right, and so we stood up, we decided, all right, let's go ahead and get back down to the shelter where we're going to camp for the night, Um, and at that point, I'm I'm done, right? I've made it to the top of Springer Mountain. It's about lunchtime, right? It's, we're, we're not even five hours in, and I've made it to the top of Springer Mountain, and I'm done. I'm just, I'm ready to be done. And so we start coming back down Springer Mountain, going back to that shelter where we're going to camp, and I'm moving fast. Like Ben can tell you, I left him behind. Like I'm practically running down the mountain, not even worrying where Ben is. And uh, I'm moving along so fast. And we come along, and there's, there's a copperhead snake curled up on the trail. And I'm moving so fast that, that I, I almost step on it. And so I jump out of the way, whatever. It scares me to death. I stood there on the trail and pointed some people around the snake and finally got back down to that shelter where we were going we to hang out for the night. And so by the time we got back down to the shelter, it's around 1 o'clock. And, and Ben's walking up to the shelter. I'm already there. Um, and... I'm sitting here thinking, we've made it to the top of Springer Mountain. We're back at the shelter. It's one o'clock. I've got nothing to do between now and tomorrow morning except hang out in the shelter. And so I started formulating a plan. You know what I'm talking about? I started formulating a plan. So Ben walks up to the shelter, and I'm like, hey, man, um, we've already hiked 10 miles. Um, The Georgia-Clemson game is on TV tonight. Uh, ben had, I forgot to tell you this part, Ben had carried a radio into the woods because he's a huge Georgia fan. I don't know why. I'm a Gamecock fan. Um, the Gamecocks always open their season on Thursday night, so I'd already seen the Gamecocks play, so I didn't care about the Georgia game. But, but so Ben's there. Ben had this radio. I'm like, hey, man, we've already done 10 miles today. It's only six miles out. Let's go. Let's do it, right? It's only six more miles. Completely sweaty have drank all of our water, like two gallons of water. There's no real reason to hike out of the woods, but I laid out this very clear vision for Ben. You follow me? Very clear, and that's the point of the story, very clear vision for Ben. Hey, man, if we go ahead and hike back out six more miles, then we can watch the Georgia game tonight, and we can go eat some delicious Mexican food, and we can have cold beverages because we're out of water and we have to get our water from a stream now. So, dude, let's just do it. Let's just get six miles. Let's go. 
And um, Ben was like, well, we could stay here at the shelter and hike out tomorrow morning. It's not really a big deal. And I'm like, Georgia game, Georgia game. So finally, Ben bought in. He was all in. He was in with the vision. And so we take off, heading back to the car. And I'll go ahead and tell you that it was the worst six miles of my life. Exhausted, sweaty. It started raining, drinking water from a creek, right? That's filtered, but it's still disgusting, right? That's, that's what we did. But we made it out. And in and, and the whole six miles back, same thing happened. I was way ahead of Ben, just like, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. We got to get out. So I'd wait up. Got to get out of here. Got to get, 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 get out of here. And along the way, though, we recognized the milestones that we saw on the way in, right? So when we got back to Nimble Wheel Gap, we were like, it's only five miles. We just did a mile. Yes, five more miles. And then you get to the top of, um, I forget the name of the mountain, but where you come up from Nimble Wheel Gap, and we're like, yes, four and a half miles. We can do this. And then you get to another trail that, that takes off, and it's four and a quarter miles. We can do this. We got this. We got this, Right? So on the way back, we had these milestones that I saw that kept pushing me forward in order to see this vision come to life of sitting in a nice air-conditioned hotel room, watching the Georgia game, eating some delicious Mexican food, drinking a cold beverage. And we made it, and we came back off the trail, and um, it took us about two hours to find a hotel room because it was Labor Day weekend and all the hotels were full. Uh, but, we, but, but we made it. We accomplished it. We brought the vision to life. The way I got Ben off that mountain was by offering a very clear vision of where we were going. And as we encountered milestones along the way, it gave us incentive to keep going to achieve that vision. You got to see Georgia play Clemson, although I think I fell asleep at like halftime because I was so exhausted. 16 miles with a 40-pound pack on for no purpose at all, but we did it, right? We went to the top of Springer Mountain and we got back down. I don't know what Redemption Church will look like a year from now. I don't know who will be sitting in these seats. I don't know who will be attending our missional communities. I don't know whether we will be a larger congregation. I don't know if we will be a smaller congregation. I hope that we're not the same a year from now as we are now. But I do know that the vision for Redemption Church is the vision for a church to be in motion to accomplish the task of leading people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus. The vision for redemption is a church that is active, a church that is pursuing the vision of leading people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, to make disciples who make disciples. And the reason we are pursuing that is because it is good, because it is biblical, and it's what Jesus has called his followers to do. If you look back at Matthew 28, and we just read verses 19 and 20. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
when you look at this passage, when you look at the Greek grammar that's present in this passage here, the verbal command from Jesus to his disciples is to make disciples. And the going and the baptizing and the teaching are all participles that modify the main command of making disciples. The the impetus is to make disciples. Now, in all fairness, the command is all-encompassing. Jesus says, make disciples by going, by baptizing, by teaching. You can't separate those things from one another. But, but the main impetus of the passage is to make disciples. And some scholars even argue that the structure and grammar of the sentence in Greek causes the word go to carry as much weight as the command to make disciples. But either way, it doesn't change the gist of what Jesus is getting at. Jesus is getting at the fact that his disciples have something they need to be doing. That's the vision, to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, to make disciples who make disciples. Our vision here at Redemption is to be a group of people in pursuit of seeing the gospel advance and disciples made. We'll come back to Matthew chapter 28 in just a minute, but let me read you this passage from 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. Peter says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Last week, Jeremy spoke about three things very clearly, gospel, community, and mission, And that is exactly what Peter is talking about here. Peter is talking about the fact that through the gospel, through the action of Jesus on our behalf, that God has set aside his people, his church, so that God's name would be proclaimed. Right? That's that's God's purpose for setting aside his people as the church. We're just a small example here at Redemption of a gathered group of believers organized as a church, but we have been called into existence by the gospel, and therefore the gospel should shape our vision and the direction that we're moving, right? We've been called into existence by the gospel, and the same gospel that calls us into existence is the same gospel that gives us the vision of leading people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ should produce a church and a people that recognize that the gospel is the only place we can truly find hope and peace. Our mission and our ministry and our vision should be defined by the fact that God has acted on our behalf and he's given us the vision to steward that good news to those around us. And that, my friends, is a milestone that we as a church should achieve. Just like when I'm walking back out of that trail, excited about air conditioning and and cold water and football games, I would see things along the way that would remind me, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to accomplish this vision we're going to make it. We're going to get out of here. 
we as a church need to devote ourselves to the advancement of the gospel above our own wants and needs and desires. That's a milestone we should achieve. We as a church, those of us who have decided to be a part of redemption, need to understand and need to cultivate an attitude of the heart that says the advancement of the gospel, making disciples who make disciples, leading people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus is of primary importance. And because it is, let's prioritize our vision around the very thing that God has set aside his people to do, to proclaim him. Just like Matthew 28 tells us to do. Just like Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. We should have a vision to see disciples made of the rich and of the poor, of the highly educated and less educated, of men and women of old and young, married and single, all races, all walks of life, churched and unchurched. We should be on mission to see our vision fulfilled, to see the gospel advance. That's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 28 when he says, go. He's talking about an attitude, a lifestyle of going, a lifestyle of recognizing the importance of being in motion for a purpose and for a reason. So when Jesus says, go make disciples, I think he probably means it. That's a fair assessment, right? And so we as a church have to have that as our heartbeat, as our vision for moving forward. Our existence as a church cannot be simply to keep people who are here happy, nor can it be about attempting to lure believers to come here from other churches. We cannot and must not be about our own wants and our own needs and our own preferences and our own likes and our own music and our own anything. We have to be about making disciples because that's why God created the church. That's why God set the church apart. Here's a problem that's unique to Western society. I think it's unique to Western society. I could be wrong. But in the West, we like the church to be about us. We like everything at church to be about us. And I am going to stand here and I'm going to tell you that is absolutely antithetical to Scripture, right? It's not what Scripture calls us to do. It doesn't line up with who Jesus was and what Jesus was about. Jesus said things like this, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Whoever wants to be first must become last. Whoever wants to be great among you must become the slave of all. Not my will, God, but your will. I've said this before, but a spiritual narcissism often invades our thinking where the individual needs and desires of the believer have become the center of our focus and our attention, which is why most churches have as their primary focus not, not reaching and then serving those who don't know the gospel, but instead reaching and serving those who were already convinced of the gospel. So the mission becomes not about making disciples, but about keeping disciples in the doors. That's an uncomfortable truth, right? But it's a pitfall we have to be aware of and we have to avoid because almost everybody who follows Christ, almost every church 
that exist will on some level say that we want to reach the world for Christ. And if we truly do, right, if we truly do, if we truly want to see the vision of leading people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus come to fruition, if we truly want that to happen, and I for one do, then we have to have as an attitude, we have to cultivate the attitude among ourselves, not of selfishness and pride, but of a willingness to act and a willingness to move forward. We're gathered together around Jesus. We're united by the fact that the gospel is that through the gospel, God sets us apart as his own. That's what unites us, the gospel. Jesus has done something on our behalf. When we believe the gospel, when we come to follow Jesus, that's what unites us together as believers. The gospel, what Jesus has done for us. The gospel is the great leveling field, right? Because apart from the gospel, we're all needy, we're all bad, we're all wrecked, we're all separated from God. The gospel is what unites us. The gospel is what puts us on the playing field. And when God takes us and puts us on the the same playing field as his church, he's very clearly said why we exist, to make disciples, right? That's what we have to do. And one of the first steps on that journey, one of the first milestones we should see, one of the first markers that we should have that tell us we're on the trail to pursuing that vision and seeing it come to fruition is that we have to cultivate an attitude among ourselves the church is not about us there's some other milestones we'll see as this vision comes to life and comes to fruition. Other than going, Jesus points to two other actions in this passage, specifically baptizing and teaching. Jesus says, uh, make disciples, go make disciples, uh, teaching them, baptizing them. And baptism is historically an act whereby somebody comes to identify with a new way of life and a new group of people. In the New Testament, the practice of baptism always follows a faith commitment of some kind whereby the people being baptized follow through with baptism as, an, as a way of making a statement, as a way of saying, um, this, is, this is what's new about me, that I'm now identified with Christ and I'm now identified with his church. It's a way of publicly identifying the change in their life And in a broader sense, in a much broader sense other than the physical act of baptism, baptism is really about people identifying with Jesus and identifying with a new community and a new way of life. And so as we pursue the vision of leading people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, of making disciples to make disciples, those are some other milestones we should see. We should see people actually coming to faith in Christ and being baptized that's, that's crazy, right? Because, right? No, that's not crazy. That's what Jesus said. Going, baptizing, teaching them. Those are some milestones we should see. The vision that I believe that Jesus has laid out for his church is going to come to life. We should actually see people identifying with Jesus, right? That's another milestone on our path. Here's a third milestone we should see. We should see ourselves as a body begin to act in such a way that we help others begin to identify 
with Jesus. That's part of the vision to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. Jointly, we all take responsibility for this, and we all move toward ways in which we provide more opportunities for people to identify with Jesus. Here's a simple one. As missional communities, we develop as a part of our DNA the need to replicate and the need to create more points of light around Augusta, around Augusta and around the CSRA for the gospel to advance, right? That, that should be part of who we are, creating multiple opportunities for people to come to identify with Christ. The more missional communities that exist, the more opportunities we have as a people of faith to interact with others in our community who need the gospel to change them just as much as we needed the gospel to change us. So as a church, we have to develop and cultivate a heart attitude of going, of, of acting, of having a purpose and a mission and moving forward, that it's not about us, that it's about what Jesus has laid out for us. As a church, we have to see people become uh, and begin to identify with Jesus. We have to create opportunities for people to identify with Jesus. Replicating missional communities is just one way that that can happen. There are other ways that people can begin to identify with Jesus through relationships that are built in your homes, in your neighborhoods, in your schools, in your jobs, whatever it may be. The act of teaching that Jesus outlines here in Matthew chapter 28 is really the act of helping people grow to know about God and helping people grow to actually know God. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 is not just about conversions. It's not just about numbers. It's not just about a church growing in the sense that more people are showing up somewhere on a Sunday morning. That's, that's not the purpose. Baptism is a one-time event, but teaching takes a lifetime. And so when we talk about the Great Commission, we're talking about lifelong dedication to obey God and to teach others to obey God too as a part of a community of faith, a lifelong dedication. This part of Jesus' command requires a lot of patience, requires a lot of grace because it takes time. We need to remember that the Great Commission doesn't promise that once someone becomes a disciple that they immediately start observing everything Jesus taught. If that were the case, there would be no reason for Jesus to say, teaching them, right? We wouldn't need to teach anybody if that were the case. But all of us that are a part of Redemption Church on some level play a role in seeing that the truths of the gospel and the truths of Scripture are communicated and taught. You see, the command that Jesus gives here is a plural command. You, y'all, go make disciples. It's something we're all called to do. And so that brings us to some final milestones that, that we should see. And, and those are unique to us as individuals who are a part of a community of faith. How is it that you can play a role in seeing the Great Commission fulfilled and disciples made through Redemption Church? How can you play a role in this church as the church seeks to teach and proclaim the truths of the gospel? What role can you play as we as a church out, 
outlined the vision to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. And here are some very specific ways. If you're here and you've been a part of redemption for a while, and you've been a part of this community for a while, maybe it's time for you to officially link up with redemption and become a member of redemption. Maybe that's an action for you to attend a foundations class and to covenant with redemption to see this vision of leading people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus fulfilled. Membership is a commitment to get on the bus and to contribute to making the journey together by committing to prayer, giving of your time, energy, resources, service, whatever it may be. Maybe that's an action you need to take. Maybe that's a milestone you need to see as we as a church attempt to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. Maybe if you're a member, you need to join a missional community. Missional communities are wonderful places to meet new people, to grow in community together, to invite others into our life, and to disciple one another through Scripture together. That's, that's why missional communities exist. And, and so if you're a part of redemption and, and you're not a part of a missional community, maybe it's time that you become a part of a missional community. If you want to know about missional communities, feel free to stop by the guest services table and they can give you information about missional communities. Maybe if you're here and you're a member of redemption and you've covenanted to be a, a, a part of redemption going forward as we strive to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. Maybe for you, the action item is to serve the church in some way. Maybe serve the church as part of the guest services desk. Maybe serve the church as um, in, in redemption kids. Um, maybe serve the church in some other way. There's numerous ways that you can be a part of seeing the vision fulfilled simply by serving. And if you want more information about that, you can go by the guest services table out there. There's actually some places where you can sign up to volunteer to be active. Or maybe another step for you is to join or start a DNA group. DNA group is a small group of people that usually um, forms out of a missional community, two or three people who get together to pray for one another, to uh, hold one another accountable in their walk of faith, um, to nurture one another, um, and to do things like that. A, a place to encourage one another to go deeper in Scripture, um, to go deeper in prayer, and to encourage one another in our walk of faith. The vision of redemption is clear, right? It's to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, to make disciples who make disciples. I think it's clear that's what God has laid out for His church in Scripture. And as we seek to fulfill that vision, as God leads us down the road of fulfilling that vision, we as a church have to cultivate a heart attitude of action that we're not just here for ourselves, we're here to actually do something that God has called us to do. We've got to create opportunities for people to actually identify with Jesus and identify with his body of faith, and we've got to be active in that, and we need to see that happening, and we need to see people actually identifying with Jesus. And beyond that, we as members of the church or members of this community of faith have different ways that we need to step up and serve the church or get involved so that this vision 
can continue, so that this vision can occur, so that we as a church can actually see people led to Jesus so that they lead people to Jesus, so that we can actually make disciples who make disciples. Make sense? Everybody with me? Okay, we're going to take 60 seconds. Uh, and over the next 60 seconds, I'm going to ask you guys to just sit for a minute and reflect on what we've heard and what action items God might be lying on our heart. <laughs>